Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, viewed to be the best. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I'm sure if you made a list over the years of all the opinions and hot takes we've had, I'm sure we've gotten plenty of things wrong. In fact, I know we have. But every now and then, we do get something right, and I believe this is an example of that. Over the course of the last couple of weeks, as Georgia has been starting its fall camp and kind of getting into preparation for the upcoming season, when it comes to quarterback position, the one thing we said was expect Kirby Smart to be pretty candid about what's happening here. That if there was news to report about one of these quarterbacks, either Carson Beck extending his perceived lead in the uh, race to become the next starting quarterback, Kirby Smart would probably say so. And if something were to happen to kind of close the gap there, we said that Kirby Smart would probably say that as well. And if there wasn't anything being said of any kind of real substance about back to their quarterbacks, then Georgia fans should probably take that as an example of no news, not being good news, because in the past, when it's been kind of quiet on the QB front, that has generally suggested that maybe things weren't going to be quite so great on the field. We've got an example of that. Well, as it turns out, it kind of played out exactly as we said that it would that if there was a clear announcement to be made, that Kirby Smart likely would not have a problem making it. You've heard us say that before. And on Saturday, when asked about you know Carson Beck, the Georgia quarterback situation, Kirby Smart made the current feelings, his current feelings on this quarterback situation, unmistakably clear. This is what Kirby Smart said. Carson Beck is going to be our starting quarterback. He's done the best job. We've communicated that earlier in the week to the other quarterbacks, and we've kind of been operating that way. And the other guys have done a tremendous job in terms of competing, and they're going to continue to do that. We haven't said anything in terms of who the second quarterback is or how those reps are going to be divvied up, but Carson is ahead of the other guys in terms of what he understands about the offense. So... My understanding is going into that second scrimmage, and this is obviously, you know, rumor mill, you talk to somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody, is that Carson Beck was going to get all of the number one reps during that scrimmage, Georgia now kind of feeling that it's time to prepare a quarterback for the upcoming season. Not necessarily Tennessee Martin, but just whatever kind of comes after that. That doesn't mean something couldn't happen, couldn't change. Obviously, injuries are a factor here too, potentially. But for now, it is Carson Beck as the guy that Georgia wants to build around, and that's what this was seemingly leading to. At one point in time, it felt like there had been a little bit of a mood shift uh, with the idea that maybe something could happen slightly different than we saw at the end of spring. But ultimately, Beck is able to kind of hold on, if nothing else, build on the advantage that he has seemingly had. And I think there are kind of two things going on here, two reasons why Kirby Smart made the announcement that he made on Saturday, saying it clearly, unmistakably, Carson Beck is our starting quarterback. One of these things, I'm going to lean pretty heavily on another former Georgia starting quarterback who joins us each week for, for you know, kind of an idea on this. When I told Jake Fromm a couple of weeks ago my belief that I was expecting some candor from Kirby on the quarterback position, Jake Fromm told us at the time that he agreed with me on that and went on to kind of call upon his own experience as a Georgia quarterback in terms of how Kirby sometimes talks about these things. So when you want to kind of know, well, why is it that Kirby's naming back now? What's going on here? Something that Jake Fromm told us two weeks ago I think serves as one of the explanations that part of this could just simply be a way of Kirby Smart wanting to see how Beck handles the good news, how he handles the you know degree of praise that comes along with now being named as the starting quarterback. What will his response to all of that be? This is what Jake Fromm said about that as an idea, uh, Kirby being candid and seeing how players react to it on our show just a couple of weeks ago. Here's Jake Fromm. For the most part, I mean, in my opinion, I think Kirby, for a lot of things, is an open book. We'll call things as he sees it, even to the media space as well. And then also, too, sometimes he will throw things out there in the media to see how his players react to hearing what he said, if that makes sense. Hmm. You know, like, hey, if someone is getting praised, hey, how is he going to handle that? Because that would be an indicator of how he would handle it throughout the season after a good game or something. You know, how is he going to handle it and go and respond the next week and play and prepare for the next week's game? That's the kind of uncommon insight you may have to have had been a Georgia starting quarterback to kind of fully be able to possess and be able to explain there in that situation 
that Carson Beck has now heard the announcement. This is something he thought he might get back in 2021 when JT Daniels was dealing with one of his injuries. Didn't happen then, but it's now going to happen for him here in August of 2023 ahead of the upcoming season. He's going to be named the starting quarterback. He has been hungry. He's been fighting for it, and now he's gotten it. Well, will he stay as hungry? That's what Jake Fromm says, or at least he asked the question out loud. Will he stay as hungry? Will he stay as, as, as driven to succeed? Is there any kind of change in him in all of this? Jake Fromm says perhaps that's maybe one of the reasons that Kirby Smart says what he said on Saturday. And with that as an idea, Kirby Smart reported this past weekend that so far so good in terms of how, how uh, Carson Beck has handled all of this, that if some of this is about let's see how he responds, apparently, according to Kirby, the response from Carson Beck about now knowing he's going to be the starting quarterback has been pretty positive thus far. Kirby, once again, hasn't changed much. I think he uh, understood. He got a pretty good volume of those reps anyway. He's done well prior to knowing that, and he's done well post-knowing that. And to be honest, both Gunner and Brock have too. They've done a tremendous job of growing and continuing to put the offense in positions to be successful and, uh, and make explosive plays. So they've, they've all done a good job of that. So Kirby Smart says Carson Beck's going to be our starting quarterback. Jake Fromm told us a couple of weeks ago, sometimes when Kirby is that clear, when he's that candid, it can be a way of saying, how does the player respond to hearing that? And Kirby Smart then says, so far so good in terms of how Carson Beck's handling all of this, that it hasn't really changed, that he's remained as driven, as focused, as determined and dedicated as he's been throughout this entire process. So that seems like really good news. But I want to make something really clear here for a moment, that the decision to name Carson Beck on Saturday goes far beyond just being some sort of psyop, some sort of like psychological thing of, oh, I want to say this. I'm going to play mental games with my quarterbacks. I'm going to see how he responds to it. I'm going to see how the other guys respond to it. There's a lot more going on here than the psychological part of this of using my words, the media, some sort of motivation or something like that. That, that you don't have to, in this particular case, read between the lines on Kirby Smart. We told you the other day that if he could be candid, if he could be straightforward, he would be. And if Kirby didn't feel like he could be straightforward or candid, then maybe George was in a little bit of a tough situation in terms of finding the appropriate replacement at quarterback. But the good news is, is that apparently Carson Beck has done so well that it was, not to say that he's been perfect or anything like that, but he's done well enough that Kirby was unbothered by stepping up and saying yeah this is guy is going to be our starting quarterback and I think it's appropriate to know that Kirby Smart also made it very clear why Carson Beck was the starting quarterback in addition to the suggestion of well maybe you want to see how guys respond to this maybe you want to see what this kind of does to the overall psyche of the guys in the competition back the winner uh Vandergriff and Stockton the two guys who are on the other side of that here right now in addition to that Kirby Smart also made it really, really clear exactly why it's going to be back as the starting quarterback. And this is, I think, an important add-on to all of this. Kirby Smart again. Carson's been in this offense, uh, you know, for a year over one of them and two years over uh, over Gunner, and uh, he's just a hit. So uh, he'll be our starting quarterback. So when Kirby Smart says he's been here longer, and he also says he's just a hit, understand this. This is not the same thing as saying, well, he's waited his turn, and so therefore it's turn. This isn't Little League left field. Not everybody gets a turn, okay? Uh, what Carson Beck has used is his experience to build the advantage. And we said at the start of spring practice, you want to go back months and months and months ago, we said that the ultimate weapon in this competition was Beck's experience. But Beck was not going to get the job just because he'd been waiting the longest for it. This is still a meritocracy. This is still a competition. But in that competition, the experience that Beck has was always going to be just a really potent weapon. And it sounds like that's exactly what has been maintained throughout all of this. I'm led to believe, based on people who know somebody, who know somebody, who know somebody, that Beck just knows the offense better. And Kirby Smart says that openly and clearly right there. And that's not to say that Vandergriff and Stockton could not play well if they got a chance to be in the game. In fact, before the show is done, we're going to do a lot on Vandergriff and Stockton and their role on this team here this season, both for this year and then moving on uh, for their future there at UGA. I promise we're going to do a lot on those guys here. But for now, it's Beck's moment to kind of be in the spotlight and have a little sunshine on him. 
And the deciding differentiating factor we're led to believe, I'm led to believe, is the fact that Carson Beck just knows the offense better. That experience is valuable, and it's the kind of thing that just was always going to make him very hard to overtake. He looked like the seasoned, experienced veteran at the end of spring practice, and apparently that lead that we all saw with our own eyes him have back in April, he still has now. And once again, if you want to go back to Jake Fromm here for a moment, and in discussions like this, we do lean on Jake just simply because Jake has been here before in all kinds of Georgia quarterback competitions. When I asked Jake on this show on Friday, before at the time Beck had been named the starter, I asked Jake, I said, hey, if you're a Brock Vandegrift, if you're a Gunnar Stockton, there's this perceived lead that Carson Beck has in this competition. What can one of those guys do to close that gap? And Jake admitted at the time that it's just not an easy thing to do when a guy moves into summer seemingly ahead in the quarterback competition. This is what Jake said about that topic on Friday. Yeah, really tough. I, I think what you got to do is you got to just prove to them, the coaches, that you know the system, that you're trustworthy. Just go and execute football plays. Whatever the intent of the play is on each specific play, understand what that is, execute the play be dialed in with accuracy and then two man I, you know i think from a guy like brock and, and gunner too you know who were able to use their legs a little bit i think they're going to have to get in the game situation and really just go out and play ball use their legs extend plays extend drives with their legs on third down so to speak so the last part of that of hey you put a vandergriff in the game you put a gunner stockton in the game they've got this extra dimension that becomes a tough thing for opposing defense go up against they may do something with their legs and clearly that mobility that that ability to run gives them some value so in a game situation you may see some things with Vander from Vandegrift or Stockton that you really like and that could be fun for Georgia fans uh, later on this year but long term the overwhelming takeaway from what Jake Fromm said there is the advantage that Beck had coming into the month of August was going to be very hard to overtake because he just knows the offense better in part because he's just been here longer so if you're Brock Vandergriff and you want to be the next starting quarterback in Georgia, take this time to learn the offense as well as Carson Beck apparently does. If you're Gunnar Stockton, who believes that he can be the future of Georgia in this quarterback position, take this time, build on this with some experience to learn the offense as well as Carson Beck does. That was the thing that he had going for him. It's not just his turn to be quarterback, but the experience that he's gained over the course of the last few years has made him the best quarterback option for Georgia right now Carson Beck deserves credit for making good on this potential and earning this job for himself it is quite a moment for him and we're certainly proud for him as far as what's next for Vandegrift and Stockton before the show is done we're going to talk plenty about that as well but first we need to take some time to introduce the show my name is Brandon Adams and this is Dog Nation Daily daily podcast Georgia Bulldogs fans presented today Pella Window and Door of Georgia every platform in the seemingly imaginable is available to you to watch the show 945 on our website dognation.com dognation app all video platforms after that on the radio every day podcast whichever podcast platform you prefer there as well we want to make the show as available as we possibly can for you and we appreciate you being a part of it and we appreciate our friends at Pella Window and Door of Georgia for being a part of it there as well energy efficient windows and doors that is what Pella window and door of georgia is all about and listen it's one of those things that when you take good care of your home by putting the Pella doors in by putting the Pella windows in what you are doing i think is taking a step that could really benefit you when it's time to kind of do the resale thing when you're thinking about doing that at some point in time and maybe that's years away uh, for you but taking the best care of your home and when you're getting ready to sell that house showing that invoice whatever and say hey look Here's what I put on this house. I put Pella windows. I put Pella door. High opening uh, response from the person getting ready to buy that house because they know you're the kind of homeowner that takes the best possible care of the home that you've had. And obviously, you want to be able to enjoy that for yourself. Feeling good on the inside, that's what Pella windows and doors are all about. So if you've been hearing me say this now for years, it's probably time for you to have one of those no-pressure consultations with one of the Pella experts. They're just going to simply walk you through all of this. The product line, the installation options, if necessary, the financing options. It's not a pressure thing. You can do it in person in your home. You can go see them in their experience center in there in Duluth, which is kind of a cool place to be because you can kind of put your hands on all of this. You can do it over the phone. Either way, you can just have that conversation and find out why it is that in survey after survey, year after year, homeowners right here in our area say that, yeah, you know what? Uh, Pella window and door really is viewed to be the best. Not just a slogan, but an actual 
representation of their position in the marketplace. No one stands equal to them, unrivaled in every possible area. So do this. Give them a call, 678-638-1429. That's 678-638-1429. You can also find them online, PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. That's PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. And when you talk to them, I want you to do a couple of things. First of all, I want you to tell them that BA from Dog Nation Daily sent you over there because I truly believe they're going to do great stuff for you. And I also want you to find out about a great savings opportunity they have right now for you as well. Because between now and September 30th, you can get 10% off your entire project or no payments, no interest for 12 months. Once again, give them a call, 678-638-1429 or PellaofGA.com slash DogNation for more on that. So as I told you before, we are going to do more on quarterbacks before we're done. So please stick with me at the very end here today. We're going to kind of get into more of what's next for Vandegrift, what's next for Stockton. And by the way, how does Dylan Riola, who made his Georgia debut on Friday, how does how does Dylan Riola factor into all of this? We'll get into that before our show is done today. Uh, we'll also touch on another important position battle here in a moment, and we'll hear from John Stinchcomb. But prior to that, let me remind you that we've got a big event coming up with Dog Nation just two Thursdays from now. That's less than uh, two weeks away. Really excited about Dog Nation Happy Hour. That's our brand new show, Dog Nation Happy Hour. We're going to be live at the Marlowe's in Brookhaven doing a live broadcast on Thursday, August 31st. What we're going to do is we're going to kind of hang out and have a little bit of a happy hour together uh, at 5. Obviously, it's called Dog Nation Happy Hour. Uh, Marlowe's your home for happy hour here in the Atlanta area. So at 5 p.m., we're going to do a happy hour get-together with all of you who are able to come out and see us at the Marlowe's in Brookhaven. Then at 6 p.m., that's a special time. But at 6 p.m., we're going to have a live broadcast of our Dog Nation happy hour. Kaylee Manziel going to be there. A host of folks from Dog Nation are going to be there. I'm obviously planning on being there. Going to be a wonderful, wonderful time. We want you to be a part of it. Live broadcast. We've kind of done something similar to this a good number of years to kind of kick off the season. And we're going to be next Thursday. That's two Thursdays from now. Marlowe's in Brookhaven, 5 p.m. for a happy hour and taking advantage of all the great fun happy hour things that Marlowe's has going on. And then 6 p.m. for the live broadcast of our newest show, The Dog Nation Happy Hour, presented by Marlowe's Tavern at Marlowe's Tavern uh, there in Brookhaven. That is going to be a terrific time. All right, so before we get back into quarterbacks and before we hear from John Stinchcomb, I also want to take some time to go around the doghouse here today and I want to talk about something else other than quarterback just for a minute. I want to give you some context why this matters. There are not very many things over the course of this offseason in terms of a football on the field thing that Kirby Smart has said, we want to get better at this. But there is one. When Kirby Smart was, you know, at SEC Media Days back in July, because keep in mind here, Georgia's the two time national champion. Georgia, we had pro football focus the other day. You know, listen, they're best just getting better you know top position group across the board seemingly anyway so much success individual player success overall team success there's just not a lot of blemishes on the Georgia resume over the course of the last couple of years but I'm gonna play a short clip here for you more it's only a couple of seconds long but at SEC media days when Kirby Smart was saying where can you get better you know Kirby Smart made it very clear there is one specific area on the field he wants to see improvement from his team regarding and this is what Kirby Smart said about that back in July. You want to know what we can do better or what I can do better? Well, there's a lot of things we can do better. You know, we, we can play much better pass defense late in the season. So Kirby Smart says, hey, listen, this is a specific on-the-field thing. We need to, in the biggest games we play, the ones that come at the end of the year, we need to play better pass defense. They got, I mean, let's just be honest here, Garrett Nussmeyer, the backup LSU quarterback, kind of torched him in the second half of the SEC championship. Ultimately, that probably doesn't mean a ton because it's garbage time. Georgia had a big lead, probably already thinking about the college ball playoff, but nonetheless, it did happen. It was much more significant when C.J. Stroud did that for Ohio State. Stroud had the game of his life. I mean, honestly, uh, Stroud made millions probably on his performance there against Georgia was taken in the draft, I think much higher than he probably otherwise would have been because of what folks saw him do against Georgia that day. That's another day in which the Georgia pass defense was certainly not perfect. And in Kirby Smart's mind, it needs to get a little bit better. So all of that is context for the next thing here. Well, one of the ways in which that question gets answered is how some of these position battles are resolved here. We now know seemingly who Georgia's two starting safeties are going to be. Malachi Starks had a good freshman season last year. He is established. 
Javon Bullard's one of the best players in the entire country. He slides over from Nickelback, what Georgia calls a star, to play another safety spot. Those two guys are established. Now I dare say they almost never will come off the field, assuming one of them uh, you know, doesn't get hurt. Georgia doesn't rotate at safety just nearly as much. You know, Starks and Bullard will be on the field. They will be the safeties. The star position that Bullard occupied a year ago seems like Tyke Smith is probably first in line there on that. Janelle Aguero, if he's fully healthy, is going to be a competitor for playing time there too. But Aguero is also dealing, and we'll have more on this kind of as the week goes on. He's kind of dealing with his own, you know, injury situation there right now. Uh, so we don't quite yet know how big of a factor he's going to be in all of this. But that's kind of the situation. Aguero battling Tyke Smith safety's firmly established Kamari Laster one of the top players returning in the SEC at the other cornerback position but then you've got the spot that Keely Ringo occupied opposite Laster and for now it sort of sounds like that thing is wide open so it's kind of interesting to watch this position battle play out but the context here of it being a part of a position group that Kirby Smart has directly pointed to and says I want this group to be way better all of a sudden the the way this plays out over the course of the next couple of weeks kind of starts to, to, to really matter here. Kirby Smart on that cornerback competition. This is after Georgia's second scrimmage on Saturday. Here is Kirby once again. All those guys are competing. You got Dalen, Julio, and Nylon all rolling and playing primarily with the ones. Uh, AJ's gotten a few reps uh, with the ones. So those four guys are going to continue to battle it out. There's no reason to make a decision because we've got – competitive practices Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, all the next week. And you know, if nobody's a clear-cut guy, then we'll play multiple guys until we figure it out. But we're waiting for somebody to step up and take it, and that hasn't happened. We are waiting for someone to step up and take it, and that hasn't happened yet. Now, I would say there are probably a couple of reasons that's true. I, it sounds like at one point in time, I think most of us who kind of do the hey, let's have our you know expected starters list or things like that. I think most of us kind of had Dalen Everett sort of penciled in here as, well, that's going to be the guy there in that spot. I don't have any reason to believe that Everett's had a bad summer or anything like that. But it sounds like a guy like Julian Humphrey, who, to be honest with you, and every now and this happens, you know, big-time recruit comes in, and it's just like deathly silent about this guy for a long time. And I would say that for a little while last year, if you're ear to the ground on the rumor mill, you weren't hearing nothing about Humphrey for a while and a little concerning, you know, sometimes it's sort of interesting the dog that isn't barking. And for a while, the, the dogs around Humphrey weren't really barking at all. Well, that's not really true anymore. It sounds like Julian Humphrey, or as they call him Julio, sounds like he has had a pretty good summer. And it sounds like he's a real factor in all of this. Nolan Green's been here. We've seen Green make good plays on special teams. Uh, that kind of gives you an idea of the kind of moxie he brings to all of this. So some of this may be, well, it's unsettled because a lot of guys are making a name for themselves. It could also be, you know, uh, more I guess negative assessment possibly too but, but at least consider the idea that, that this may be happening in part because the fact that a lot of guys are, are are competing but let me give you one more thing here and this is just you know put a pin in this and file it away and come back to it later on the name that Kirby Smart mentions at the end there AJ Harris and, and I'll tell you this some of our commenters have been saying this here for a little while and I don't know that I probably gave them as much credit as I probably should have. Sometimes sometimes when you're the host, you kind of fall in love with your own opinions. And you, you Perhaps, it's at least possible that you don't fully consider the opinions of others as well as you possibly could. But the point here is, we've had some folks saying, hey, watch out for A.J. Harris, watch out for A.J. Harris. Here's what I'll tell you. The longer this goes on being unsettled, the more guys who've been here are you know, not necessarily asserting themselves as the likely starter the more the door is open for a guy like A.J. Harris. Now, I'm not predicting, well, A.J. Harris can end up being Georgia's starting cornerback. At least not right now. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying, you know, what's the line? Is it is it, you know, Littlefinger from, uh, uh, is that his name, from Game of Thrones, Chaos is a Ladder? In a position competition like this, Chaos can also be a little bit of a ladder, too, in that if it's Everett, it's Humphrey, and it's Nyland Green, they're all battling it out. Well, the longer that goes unsettled, the more a very talented former highly rated recruit like A.J. Harris. A guy like that just sort of hangs around, has a chance to make a name for himself. The more this goes unsettled, the longer that lasts, the more A.J. Harris' opportunity could kind of go up. So it's just kind of fun to consider. Probably doesn't need to be settled for a few weeks, but as it does, just sort of keep that in mind. Kirby mentioning A.J. by name there, big-time prospect. A lot of Georgia fans in our comment sections have been like, hey, watch out for him. 
they may have turned out to be right on that, or at least they have the chance to before the season's done, so maybe worth considering. We'll make that around the doghouse here today on uh, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. So I told you, before we are done, we're going to do a bunch more on quarterback. Because honestly, the stuff involving Vandegrift and Stockton may be as interesting as the stuff involving Carson Beck. It's Beck's day. He's the starter. I wanted him to kind of have the opening segment to himself just because I think he deserves that. Uh, It's quite a moment in that young man's life to step up and be the starting quarterback. But the Stockton-Vandegrift stuff is really interesting. And I think it gets even more interesting once you kind of bring next year's incoming freshman Dylan Riola into all that mix there as well. So I promise you, we are heavy on the other quarterbacks, both now and future Georgia quarterbacks, before we're done on the program. But for now, let me bring in someone else's opinion and uh, hear what he has to say. A lot of fun stuff going on around Georgia here right now as the season gets ready to take place. Let's find out more about all of it. We'll do an insider update with John Stinchcomb, presented by Marlowe's Marlo's Tavern. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Let me say hello to John Stinchcomb. We're so happy to have him here as part of a Marlowe's Tavern insider update. So, John, uh, pretty big news to react to here, and it's kind of funny. You know, it's like we've been doing this, obviously, the last few weeks, Now I do this every day, and I don't have any problem speculating on whatever. whatever. I'll, I'll just I'll just throw stuff out there, and we'll just see where it all lands. I, I've got no problem doing that. I've done that for a living for a long time. However, you are a lot more measured. You're a lot more, you know, careful with your words sometimes than I perhaps might be. And so last few weeks, you know, our conversations have all been about, well, maybe this will happen. Perhaps that might happen. It's a lot of conjecture, I guess, if you will. Today, that's not the case. You know you were kind of in a season posture when you've got actual substantial news to react to. We got some from Kirby on Saturday, stepped up, looked right into the cameras, right into the microphone and said, Carson Beck is going to be our starting quarterback. What's your reaction to that announcement from Kirby on Saturday? Well, I think it's first and foremost that Carson has separated himself and he's earned this opportunity. It's based on performance. It's based on his body of work since basically Stetson has left and arguably before then that uh, he has created enough separation. There's enough gap in performance not to say that the other quarterbacks haven't performed well. They just haven't performed as well. And it's reached a point where it's worth recognizing. It's probably something the team, the guys, the coaches, the players, they've seen for a long time that they've, you know, even if the performance of the other quarterbacks is is good, there is still a gap. And recognizing that and being able for the team to say, this is our guy, and we're going to support him and rally around him, um, I think speaks a lot of into what Carson's been able to do up to this point. i tell you what my favorite thing about all of this is, and ultimately I'm fairly nonpartisan on stuff like this. I would have been happy with Beck. I think I could have been happy with Vandergriff. Uh, I like Gunnar Stockton a lot. I'm fairly nonpartisan on a lot of these position battles. As a Georgia fan, I just want Georgia to have a good and you know, whatever his name is, is fine with me. I just want Georgia to have a good player at the position. So ultimately I didn't really have a rooting interest necessarily, but what I do like about all of this is kind of how non-controversial it is. John, if we're just really honest here for a moment, the Georgia quarterback situation has been pretty weird now for years. That wasn't really weird a year ago. You had to establish starter stats and Bennett building off a national championship legacy, went out there and did that again. But prior to that, you better believe 2021 was weird. You know, we thought that JT Daniels might be, you know, among the best quarterbacks in the country. And by week two, he's not even starting. And you were left to wonder, you know, you know what the hell situation had been since he'd been here in 2020 what it was going to be going forward and you know you thought well Carson Beck might be the guy then all of a sudden out of nowhere Stetson Bennett gets you know pegged to be the dude and obviously that really worked out it's not a bad thing but it was weird you have to say that, that the way the quarterback thing at Georgia played out for a good number of years was weird 2020 was probably weird for everybody but my gosh with Juan Mathis and Jamie Newman and all that junk it was especially weird for Georgia John this isn't weird at all the guy who's been here the longest used his experience to know the offense better, apparently outperformed the other two guys. And listen, anything can happen from now, but this is the least weird option possible. And apparently Beck for now is also the best option too. But I just love how non-controversial and unweird all of this is. 
Couldn't agree more, and I think it's a testament. Again, it's probably, you know, what's a great teacher experience, right? And Coach Smart and, and the staff has gone through it in the past. Um, when there wasn't clarity in that position, they allowed space for the conversation to exist when it was JT and Jamie and Dewan. I mean, it, there was a constant conversation that was being held. They were asking questions or answering questions on a daily basis about the position. And until early in the season this past year, where it was very obvious who the number one was, um, that's not been a luxury that, that we have experienced. And so I think recognizing the, the stability that it can create, that, that we can move the conversation to other places is an advantage um, and probably something that's not quite as exhausting on their end. But it's predicated by performance. And you have to have a quarterback who uh, has separated themselves and has earned that right to kind of move the conversation along and um, it's not one of those situations that we've faced in the past where there wasn't the clarity. It, JT had, hadn't uh, distinguished himself or Jamie or Dewan or, you know, fill in the blank until Stetson had um, this past season or, in this case, Carson has so far this offseason. So, uh, you know, experience is a great teacher and it, it, it creates – it's caused by separation and performance that you kind of move the conversation to other places. So the other quarterbacks, I think, remain really fascinating in all of this. We're going to talk more about this in our show here today, John, but I want to give you a chance to weigh in on this too. To me, the most interesting thing about Vandergriff and Stockton right now is the fact that Kirby Smart, I think, has made it clear that the battle to be the number two quarterback is still open, and I take that pretty seriously based on some of the things that I've heard, perhaps uh, you very much the same way, in that, A, number two quarterbacks in the SEC matter. They play frequently. Uh, injuries are just a part of the game. And, B, while there has been a lot to like, apparently, about Brock Vandergriff, I, I've heard that he's had a very good summer. I, I, I've heard that there are a lot of teammates that seemingly like Brock, which is kind of a cool thing. I've also heard really good things about Gunnar Stockton, too. It's never a bad thing to have a lot of good players. Sounds like Georgia may have three of them in the quarterback spot, but the Stockton-Vandereff competition and now be the number two quarterback. John, I think that's a real thing. I think that's also about to play out, and the winner of that could have massive consequences for the future because being number two a year ago is one of the big reasons that Carson Beck is now number one. Yeah, it's, it's a great conversation. I think that's that's where the focus shifts, right? And I think there's a difference in who's number two in the scenario that number one gets hurt and who's number two in the fact that their profile and what they offer the team is different than what the number one quarterback uh, provides. And, and let, let me flesh that out a little bit. If uh, Carson is known more as a pocket passer, obviously capable as a runner, but doesn't feature that as one of the uh, main characteristics of his game, whereas Gunnar Stockton very easily could be described as a, as a quarterback that is a huge threat as a, as a runner. And, you know, there's a difference there. Brock Vandergriff's profile probably is more similar to Carson's, um, and Gunnar is, is the one who separated himself a little bit in – style so you know if if you're looking for someone who might be able to come in and be used as a as a different type of a weapon to attack a defense that probably bodes well for gunner getting that call to saying hey maybe we can get a couple series to keep the defense on its heels or mix things up or uh you, you know create a package of plays that we like for a more uh, run-first quarterback. But in the scenario that, God forbid, your, your number one gets hurt, and in this scenario Carson is unavailable, uh, who, who do we trust most? Who has earned the opportunity for the meat and potatoes of the position? Um, 
and you know you you care less, if you will, about the difference of one versus two in, in play style because one isn't available. Now you're looking for who do we think can get the job done on a play in play out basis, and I think those are two different conversations, um, and you you're allowing yourself to have two different answers. So, you know, if, if Carson and probably lends itself early on to Gunner uh, having more opportunity, but if it's not Carson then, um, then it becomes a, a bigger question and, and probably does provide more space for Vandegrift. Let's also, I guess, address the other thing that some fans will bring up. I've seen some of this on social media since the uh, back news came out of, well, oh gosh, you know, what about the possibility now of one of these quarterbacks leaving? And John, I don't want to be naive about this. First of all, the transfer portal is not open until December, so I don't think anyone's leaving now. But, but from a you know just a straightforward standpoint, I don't want to be naive that if one of these quarterbacks proves to be kind of the odd man out, you know, between the the Stockton Vandergrift battle, the so called loser of, of that now extended competition. There is a pretty good chance that guy might consider going somewhere else. I would say candidly, that's probably more true for Vandergrift than Stockton because he's also a year older. And, you know, I'm sure he probably feels his clock ticking kind of the same way that maybe Beck felt like his clock was ticking, you know, a while in the past. And not everyone's going to make the same decision that Carson Beck's made. I'm not, you know, trying to push anybody out the door. I'm just saying that that is a very real possibility in the world in which we live. But, John, I'm also a big believer if you're Georgia, I don't think you can worry about that at all. Kirby Smart and Mike Bobo's job is to get their quarterback ready for right now. And while I'm more than happy to talk about who might be the 2024 starting quarterback, the truth is, is that's not this Georgia coaching staff's job right now. We are not in an extended spring, you know, spring practice session of getting ready for the 2024 season. We, meaning Georgia, are getting ready for the 2023 season right now. And whoever may not be here in the future, I just simply don't think you can make any decision like that with that kind of thing in mind got to choose your best guy. They believe it's back. The transfer portal is a real option. One of these guys might consider it. And if you're a Georgia coach, John, I simply don't think you can worry about that. No, that, that's a that's a concern 14 games from now, right? And uh, you are trying to create the best roster for right now. I mean, obviously, you have to have awareness for 24 and 25, and that's the job of a coach to be able to zoom in and zoom out and prepare for tomorrow, and uh, I don't think anyone could argue that Georgia hasn't done that already. Uh, They're they're trying to keep the the best players on the roster, and a lot of that is retention, but it's also recruitment. And uh, the opportunity that exists for Carson today is because of retention and uh, the ability that our coaching staff has of presenting to a player, even though your opportunity is not today, it's worthwhile for you to stick around. And if that isn't a statement they can make with sincerity, then you can understand when a player, whether it's a quarterback or someone else, says, you know, Coach, I I think I want to see what else is out there, see if there's a a better opportunity for me. And uh, that's an understandable situation, but certainly not something that – factors into every decision that you make in August. Um, you know, right now you've got these three quarterbacks for at least this season, and you want to make the, the best decisions that put you in a place to find the team success, um, and then you'll have to address those kind of concerns, very legitimate concerns, um, when the time comes. But, again, right now the decision's all are all centered on what do we need to do to be champions by the end of this season. And um, I think that's the, the overarching goal that is driving all the decisions that are made. It's our Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update with John Stinchcomb here on Dog Nation Daily today. And don't forget, while you can't be a Dog Nation Insider, you can be a Marlowe's Tavern Insider. John's got the Dog Nation Insider part covered, but your chance to be a Marlowe's Tavern Insider is potentially just as much fun and just as lucrative for you because you get great incentives just for signing up and terrific benefits throughout the future years when you enjoy your marlowe's tavern insider club status let me tell you how it works here you can sign up just for by going to marlowe's tavern.com and you can use the marlowe's app to register there as well if you want to and when you do so 
you're going to get $10 off a $30 order at Marlowe's Tavern just for doing that. Then after that, you're in the Insider's Club. And when you go to Marlowe's and spend at least $15 on food or beverage, that kind of earns you what's called a qualified visit. Now, once you complete four qualified visits, you're going to get a complimentary entree reward up to $20 on your next visit. So it's a really great way to enjoy the chef-inspired food, the craft cocktails, and also get great benefits every time that you do that. You can also get a, a special offer on your birthday, too. Some really, really cool stuff from our friends at Marlowe's Tavern. Great time to be a part of the Marlowe's Tavern Insider Club. Go to marlowestavern.com for more details on that. So, John, kind of an overarching question to finish things off here today. We also got information. We don't have time to cover a ton of this on today's show. We're going to do this throughout the week. Information on the open cornerback competition, you know, left tackle situation, which we believe is probably Ernest Green. That's been kind of, at least for the moment, kind of thrown into flux a little bit because it sounds like Green's in a little bit of an ankle injury. The running back thing seems like that's still kind of, I don't quite know what's going on there. Uh, What else from a position battle standpoint is interesting for you at Georgia right now? Yeah, and I do think that there's a difference. I think there's a difference uh, in the answers that you get from Coach Smart and the difference in what you deploy on a Saturday in, uh, versus uh, a cornerback versus a quarterback or, or tackle even. Um, specifically for cornerbacks, those are guys that you can rotate, and Georgia has rotated in years past. So not naming – who the clear ones and twos are in those positions um, isn't as necessary. It, it, I fully expect all the guys that are listed that that he continues the names that he continues to say are vying for that position. They're all going to play, um, and it's not something that probably you know will we'll, we'll have an idea of who's going to be the first people out in. Uh, uh, for the defense in the first series, but it won't be until my guess is week four or five until, you know, it's very clear who's getting the lion's share of those reps, specifically at the cornerback position. Um, the way the game is played now, you, you, there's more defensive backs on the field than ever just because of uh, the way offenses spread you out and, and deploy their wide receivers. So, um, the expectation is we've got to get all these guys ready because um, they're gonna they're gonna have significant time. A little bit different in the tackle spot. I think injury is uh, one of the uh, reasons why um, you know there's still a battle there. And um, in today's game, you need seven players that are ready. You know, tackles and an interior player that's ready to step in. I think that was the conversation that we actually had here last week. That's right. What if we get down to number eight? But (laughs) uh, having having a guy like Blasky, who is, in in my mind, starter quality, somebody that you would not expect any significant drop-off if they're in the game, whether it's a tackle or guard, um, is almost a a necessity at this point. And uh, when you're vying for national championships, again, I'll reference back to that Cincinnati game uh, that Georgia is playing and we're down and uh, Cincinnati loses their left tackle and what a game changer that was for them. Um, Georgia's not in a position where that can happen and you still have your, your, your goals in front of you and they remain realistic. I think the expectation is uh, you know, one goes down, next man up. And um, with the situation that Georgia has, specifically on their offensive line, I think you're able to say with, you know, some candor that that can happen. If Ernest Green's ankle were to linger or, um, you know, another player, another starter that was not able to, to play in a given week, that we, we feel confident we've got seven guys that are all ready and able to play in, in the, under the biggest lights in the biggest conditions. And, you know, if it's you look back in history, and that's certainly been the case, that's how Broderick Jones kind of cut his teeth is those opportunities and the flexibility that Jamari Salyer offered um, allowed Georgia to not skip a beat when 
injury occurred or performance was lacking, uh, they could make those kind of transitions, and it felt fairly seamless uh, to the average fan that there wasn't a drop-off or you didn't have to change schemes to accommodate a, a, a lesser player. And I think Georgia finds itself in a very similar situation this year that you know, between the six or seven guys that are available, they feel pretty confident that they don't have to compensate for a drop in performance. John, thank you so much for being here for our Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update. We appreciate your insight on these dogs. We always enjoy getting that from you. Hope you have a great week, and we'll look forward to talking to you soon right here on Dog Nation Daily as well. Always a good time, B.A. Go dogs. Yes, sir. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, really interesting stuff from John Stinchcomb there. And I told you before we were done, we want to do more on the quarterbacks. We're going to get there in a moment. Also, some news around the SEC we got to get to for you as well. And a lot of that actually relates to quarterbacks, too. And you're going to see a very interesting contrast in what Kirby Smart did on Saturday and what some of the other top SEC and national powers are apparently doing with their quarterback position. That's going to be interesting. We'll do this here. Uh, but, and we'll do it as a part of cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. i got to tell you, everywhere I go, it's amazing that everybody always brings up the Dog Nation cruise. I, I guess at this point in time, I've talked about taking cruises so much with our friends at Royal Caribbean, and that's sort of one of the things I guess I'm known for, which I am very thankful to be known for that. But people are like, B.A., I'm going to be on that cruise, or B.A., I want to be on that cruise, or B.A., I hope to be on that cruise. Well, listen, the time is now to take advantage of this. If you go to the website, royaldogs.com, now i got to understand something. The Dog Nation cruise, hundreds of people join us on board. We need a great travel agent to help us organize all this because goodness knows I wouldn't be able to do this. They wouldn't trust me with that at all. So we've got a great travel agent named Jessica Slater, and Jessica has put a great website together to give you information on the Dog Nation cruise. And... While we're going to take hundreds of folks, it's not like we can take the whole ship over because they're already selling staterooms to other folks there, too. So we've got, you know, a couple of hundred staterooms reserved just for us here on the Dog Nation side of things, and they are filling up fast. So it is not too soon to start thinking about April 22nd through the 26th on board Allure of the Seas. Bigger and better than ever is this year's Dog Nation cruise because we are on an Oasis-class ship enjoying all the things there and more specially themed Dog Nation events, too. So please... Go to RoyalDogs.com, get signed up to be a part of the third Dog Nation cruise taking place April of 2024, going to Perfect Day, Coco Cay, and a whole bunch of fun there in the Bahamas with our friends on board Allure of the Seas. Can't wait for that. All right, before we get back to Georgia quarterbacks, let's talk some other quarterbacks here for a moment. And I have to tell you, if you are, now we're doing some, this is called concern trolling when you pretend to be concerned on someone else's behalf, but you're kind of doing it as a way of sort of twisting the knife, we're going to be concerned. We're going to be, we're going to do some concern trolling about Alabama here for a moment. Their quarterback situation right now is getting a little bit messy, and it's so unsettled between you know uh, Jalen Milrow who we saw a year ago, Ty Simpson who just is not going to happen apparently, and Tyler Buckner, the number three quarterback from Notre Dame, which surprise surprise is going to be no better than apparently number three possibly at Alabama there as well. Here's how bad things have gotten. All of a sudden, you're hearing more about Dylan Lonergan in this competition. Now, listen, understand something. I like Lonergan a lot. I saw him play at Brookwood. I have a little bit of a kind of a bias in favor of these Georgia, state of Georgia prospects. So while I would never want Alabama to be successful, I, I root for Lonergan as much as you, you know, one possibly could. This is not a denigration of Lonergan as a player. Here's what I'm telling you. Have you ever heard the old saying, if you've got two quarterbacks, you don't have one quarterback? What happens if you got four quarterbacks? See, what Alabama's had is a competition going on with three quarterbacks. And instead of whittling that down towards a starter, Kirby Smart was able to name one on Saturday, you got whisper campaign coming out of Tuscaloosa. I tell you who looks pretty good. That's Dylan Lonergan. That's sort of like the thing when you're at a restaurant and you're trying to find out what to order. You're like, eh, maybe I'll just get a burger, right? It's, it's like I'm trying to decide between this or that or that, or maybe I'll just get a burger. Like, when you bring a fourth option into consideration, that tells me the quarterback competition at Alabama is going the wrong way. And Milrow, who has played, Ty Simpson, who's been there, former elite recruit, Tyler Buckner, who transferred because he knows the Tommy Reese offense, apparently those guys are so unspectacular. Well, maybe this guy who came here to play baseball but also plays football too, maybe he can be the guy. Like, that's a no, no shot at Lonergan, who I like. But this is a troubling sign if you're an Alabama fan that your quarterback competition is getting more 
It's not getting less. You, you're not willing down to a starter. You're kind of adding more contenders. That is not the direction you want to be moving. And I'm telling you right now, there's a chance this is just real, right? I mean, a lot of the stuff we kind of talk about during the summer ends up being a little exaggerated, not just us, but just anybody who kind of talks about college football during the offseason. We have a tendency to kind of exaggerate some of these, you know, possibilities. But the whole idea of could the Alabama dynasty be toppled because they don't have a quarterback? Yes is an acceptable answer. Yes is at least a possible answer. And I would watch this in Tuscaloosa right now. You better believe I would. Speaking of quarterbacks, there is also some interesting stuff happening in Columbus, Ohio, where there's the possibility at least. Now, I don't know if this is real or not, but there's apparently a little bit of a possibility that we could have a surprise result in the Ohio State quarterback competition. For a long time, it's been sort of assumed that Kyle McCord was going to win that. McCord was number eight quarterback going to the, back to the 2019 class. He's been around for a while now. That's a, that's a good while ago now. Uh, number eight quarterback, 2019 class, been there waiting his turn. He's supposed to be the guy in that competition. At least I, I think most people kind of project him to win. I'm sure he's probably got posted Heisman on somewhere. But apparently Devin Brown, much younger player, number five overall quarterback in the class of 2022, it sounds like Brown has kind of done okay. And I said this about the Georgia cornerback situation a little earlier. The longer it goes, the more the younger guy has a shot at it. The quarterback thing in Ohio State might kind of be the same way. The more that goes on without McCord winning it, the more you must be left to conclude, well, maybe he just ain't going to win it. You know, maybe Devin Brown really does kind of have a very real shot there I said this on I guess it was Friday's show when Auburn and Hugh Freeze named Peyton Thorne as their starting quarterback there is value in naming a starter if you've got a guy who's going to be your starter there is value in naming him there used to be this conventional wisdom in college football a few years ago and coaches frankly like Kirby Smart probably contributed to this uh hey you hold it out as a competition you reveal nothing that's what people kind of thought that that you know you make it seem like it's a cage match death battle to see who the quarterback's going to be and if it's really really close and there's probably some benefit in doing that but the players are seeing what's happening in practice if they're seeing one guy clearly be more ready and more equipped than the others then there is some value in a coach kind of acknowledging that there's also a value in a coaching staff saying hey at a certain point in time the competition has to end and the preparation has to begin and that's what Georgia says it's ready to do with Carson back Alabama they are not ready to do that and they may not be ready for a while uh, and by the way, just it doesn't have to have a positive resolution. It may just be a messy situation all year long. At Ohio State, it is also an extended quarterback battle. And once again, this doesn't have to be some sort of contrivance of, well, we're going to keep doing this as a way of keeping these guys from fighting and keeping this one guy from transferring. It could be just as simple as, honestly, this younger guy may actually overtake the other one. Watch that in Columbus there too. That could be a surprise. Ultimately, it probably doesn't change the results of the season. I mean, listen. I don't like the Buckeyes. Ryan Day's, you know, he's dumb, but he's not stupid. I mean, he's going to have a pretty good offense and a pretty good quarterback, whether it's Brown or McCord. You probably sort of know that's the case. One more note on quarterback here for a moment. And I got to plead ignorance on this. Some of you would probably say I'm ignorant plenty. I should probably plead it more. But in this particular case, I have to plead genuine ignorance about something. Eli Drinkwitz has come out to say, that his quarterback competition is going to go into the season, and it's going to be the guy we saw play last year, Brady Cook, who most Missouri fans just don't like very much, and Sam Horn, another former Georgian. Uh, Horn was the historic Collins Hill offense, the quarterback a couple of years ago, back when they had Travis Hunter at wide receiver. Horn had a terrific year. He's also a, a really good baseball player too. Um, and it sounds like he's making a real push to possibly be the starting quarterback at Missouri. And so what Drinkwitz told us at the end of last week is, is that Horn and Cook, Cook the guy who started, and frankly been pretty unspectacular, and that's probably putting it nicely, Cook and Horn are going to take their competition into the season, and they are both going to play in at least the first game. Now, here's what I can't find anything about. And if you know the answer, I honestly want to know this because we're several hundred miles from Columbia, Missouri, so sometimes news travels slow even in the Internet age. What happened to Jake Garcia? Garcia was a pretty big prospect, was at Miami, transferred to Missouri. I'm not hearing one word coming out of Missouri about him. And maybe just not very good. Or maybe 
it doesn't seem like he's hurt because there's nothing on the internet about him being hurt. But in the comp in, in the conversation about what's happening at quarterback, you hear about Cook, you hear about Horn, and I, I like Horn, so I mean I'd be happy for him if he got the job. But Garcia's got some real talent. That's the guy that was controversial in the state of Georgia a couple of years ago. You'll remember that because he was at Valdosta, ended up at Grayson. Um, but he's a talented player. He transferred to Missouri, and you're not hearing anything about him here right now. So if you know about that, I'd honestly be curious to hear because I have to say that I don't know about that. It seems like it's Cook versus Horn there. And then one more thing, non-quarterback related, uh, Florida uh, suffered a pretty serious injury on Saturday, at least serious for the player who got hurt. Cam Carroll is his name. He is a transfer running back from Tulane. Only expected to be probably third string quarter, I should say third string running back at Florida. Uh, and, and this is actually one of those areas in which Florida was like kind of quietly pretty good a year ago. Gators were more about across the board, but they were okay with the rushing attack. They were like fifth in the SEC, about 200 yards per game. Trevor Etienne, Montrell Johnson, Johnson, the transfer from Louisiana Lafayette. Those were, you know, the, the kind of lead backs for Florida a year ago. They're both back this year. They're expected to be pretty good tandem. Now, Florida's going to be awful along the offensive line. That probably hurts the running numbers, you would imagine. But as far as tandems of running backs go, Florida not bad. I guess Carroll was going to likely be the third string running back there, but he suffered what sounds like a really serious injury. So we send him prayers in his recovery for that. It sounds like his football career may be over. He was already a sixth-year player, and now you have you know this what sounds like a very serious injury. So so unfortunately for him, his career may be over. And you look at this from a Florida standpoint in the field, I guess now Trayon Webb, who you'll remember as a recruit from a couple of years ago, maybe now that makes him the number three running back here. So one of the areas in which Florida was actually sneaky strong last year uh, running the ball, that takes a little bit of a hit, a hit because of the injury to Cam Carroll, the transfer from Tulane, but maybe an opportunity for Trayon Webb there. We'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Before we get back to quarterbacks, very quickly, let me also give a shout-out to my friends at Dr. Pepper and their brand-new beverage, Dr. Pepper Strawberries and Cream. I love Dr. Pepper. Got my eye on uh, Dr. Pepper as soon as this show is done. And when you're reaching for Dr. Pepper right now, I want you to consider reaching for the brand-new permanent flavor offering from Dr. Pepper. It's Dr. Pepper Strawberries and Cream and Dr. Pepper Strawberries and Cream Zero Sugar. Now, wherever you're doing your shopping, you're going to Kroger, you're going wherever else, you're going to see right there on the shelf and the can looks amazing by the way dr pepper strawberries and cream dr pepper strawberries and cream zero sugar so i hope you'll grab it i hope you'll try it and i hope you'll put that in the rotation with the rest of the great offerings from dr pepper and all their you know zero sugar offerings there as well i don't believe there's anybody who does the zero sugar uh, offerings better than dr pepper because it always just tastes so good i'm a big fan of that and I know you're going to be a big fan of Dr. Pepper strawberries and cream and Dr. Pepper strawberries and cream, zero sugar as well. So make sure you check some out today. All right, quarterback here just for a moment. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to kind of talk about the Stockton Vandegrift ongoing competition and kind of how that's going to impact what's going to happen in 2024 when Dylan Riola arrives. And of course, Riola on Friday made his official debut as a Georgia quarterback when he played his first regular season game with the Buford Wolves. They got a huge win against St. Francis. There was a terrible fight at the end of the game. Uh, you, Jeff Santel had some of that on Twitter. You can go and uh, see that if you want to. Pretty wild scenario there at the end. Apparently, St. Francis is to blame based on what I've been told from people who were there. But nonetheless, um, Big fight, Buford gets a big win, but Riola, as you would imagine he would, was really very impressive. I, I'm led to believe in his debut. I was working that night, didn't get a chance to see it live, seen some of the highlights. I'll show you this quote here. Edric Houston, five-star defensive lineman. He's getting ready to make his college decision. Wish it was Georgia, but it's not going to be. Uh, um, but nonetheless, uh, Houston had some very nice things to say to Jeff Sintel, dognation.com, about Dylan Riola, saying that Dylan is amazing. He says, first of all, let's talk about off the field. He's a great guy, very well-rounded, supports his teammates no matter what. He's hyped in the weight room, just trying to get us up and then get on the field. It speaks for itself. He's also got great accuracy, got a nice arm, can get out of traffic and throw on the run. He's an amazing player all the way around. That's a lot of compliments going the direction of Dylan Riola, the soon-to-be Georgia quarterback from Edric Houston, a five-star teammate of his there at Buford. 
So when you think about, okay, well, Riola's about to be here. Is Riola going to be the quarterback at Georgia next season? Does he step in as a freshman and become that guy? Based on the compliments that Edric Houston's throwing around to him, you would certainly believe that's a possibility. But here's where I have to admit that I think you might want to be careful assuming too much too soon as it relates to Riola. Now, perhaps his talent just wins out, and because of the things that Houston said, maybe he just overwhelms everyone in a competition next year. Now, this is also for the moment assuming that Carson Beck doesn't come back uh, because that obviously complicates this a little bit more, but let's just have a conversation without a whole lot of parameters. Right? Let's, let's not put a little bunch of labels on stuff. Um, that that, that uh, Riola's coming here, and what happens to the quarterbacks who are already here? Well, here's what I'm going to tell you. If we assume for a moment that Vandegrift and Gunnar Stockton, who did not win the Georgia starting quarterback job to begin this season, if we assume they're here and continuing to compete, I would say either guy might have a chance of winning that competition in 2024, even with Dylan Riola here. And part of the reason I believe that, even though we just heard a bunch of great things about how talented Riola is, is because apparently it sounds like both in terms of the whisper campaigns that are out there and Kirby Smart's own confirmation, both Brock Vandegrift and Gunnar Stockton have had very good fall camps, very good off seasons in their own right. So consider all of that in the context of Riola's soon-to-be arrival there at UGA. In fact, in the midst of kind of announcing Beck as the starter on Saturday, Kirby Smart made it, made it very clear. He has liked a lot about both Vandegrift and Stockton here this year. This is Kirby from Saturday. I'll be honest with you, I was really impressed with the other two quarterbacks throughout camp, how far they've come in terms of improvement. Coach Bobo has done a great job uh, with those guys, and uh, they both made a lot of plays with their feet and done some good things. So when Kirby Smart says that, when he says, I've been impressed, they're getting, in, in Brock Vandergriff's case, and, and really Stockton's too, but they're getting multi-year head starts on Dylan Riola. And Kirby's already impressed with them at a different point in time. Kirby said on Saturday that he would feel comfortable playing them along with Carson Beck if he had to. Y'all, that was the weapon that Carson Beck had at his disposal. It was the experience. And now Vandergriff and Stockton got some of that in, in Brock's case, the last couple of years, Gunner got that a year ago. Now they're getting more of that here in 2023 there too. This will also, for both Vandegrift and Stockton, be a weapon they can use in a competition that it's going to include Dylan Riola next year. I think that's important to keep in mind that Riola may be truly the next big thing, but look at Arch Manning. He may be the next big thing for Texas. Arch Manning didn't come close to winning that Texas quarterback competition here this year. Part of that's because Quinn Ewers is – a very talented quarterback in his own right, and part of that's because experience matters. Ewers had it, uh, and Arch Manning didn't, and Manning may be the number three quarterback at Texas here this year. Maybe Dylan Ryle is different. Maybe Dylan Ryle is a better player, but you at least have to consider that as a possibility that either Vandegrift or Stockton could be in a position where they could win a competition that includes Dylan Ryle next year. Keep that in mind, but also keep this in mind. We talked to uh, John Stinchcomb about this a moment ago that the competition isn't over. The competition now continues with Stockton and Vandegrift battling to see who can be the number two quarterback. And Kirby Smart talked about this, and you shouldn't miss this. It was kind of dropped in and everything else. But there is now an evaluation of what happens between Stockton and Vandegrift and who can kind of put, them, put himself to be the spot where Carson Beck was last year, being the number two quarterback, getting the number two reps, and getting that opportunity to kind of enter a game when the starting quarterback comes off the field, this is something to keep in mind here, too. More from Kirby on the battle that's going to be ongoing now between Stockton and Vandergriff. Take a listen to Kirby again. As far as the other guys, I'm excited to see those guys hopefully have an opportunity to play, compete. They'll be able to go with the ones here in the next two weeks uh, some and get more reps and figure out if we have a two, who that's going to be and how it's going to go forward. So it's interesting to hear that there. Kirby Smart says, we're going to figure out if we have a two. In other words, is there a clear leader between Vandegrift and Stockton? And if there is, that person gets treated as a number two quarterback. So it was sort of thought to be, well, Vandegrift was second in line while battling Carson Beck. And for all intents and purposes, that appears to be true. 
But that doesn't give him that status necessarily above Gunnar Stockton. I'm led to believe that Stockton can get some number two reps during practice. He's going to get a chance to show that he ought to be potentially the number two quarterback. The Vandergrift is going to have to beat out Stockton in order to be the number two quarterback on this roster and being number two, as we said before, that really matters. That's what we're led to believe the next few weeks might look like at a Georgia practice, just based on kind of your, I guess, reading of the situation, but also some of the whispers that kind of come out on something like that and with that in mind Kirby gave a pretty clear challenge to both Vandegrift and Stockton he doesn't mention Dylan Rilo by name but in the context of the fact that Rilo is going to be here you know the idea that what you do now could matter for you in the future but it also could matter for you in terms of getting on the field here this year there as well so the challenge from Kirby to both Vandegrift and Stockton could not be more clear about what he wants to see from them the rest of the way one more time let's hear from Kirby Smart the decision about the quarterback is really about who the starter is. We haven't talked even beyond that. I mean, that's not the conversation. We've got two really talented young quarterbacks who are coming along and getting better. I mean, we want to keep that growth going. The only way you keep that growth going is you continue to get those guys really quality reps. That's one of the greatest separators in every program in the country is who's able to get quality reps for their twos and threes from this point forward. Because if you don't get quality reps, you can regress. I want those two guys to keep growing and keep competing. So to be clear here, it won't just be Vandergriff who gets those quality reps. It's going to be Gunnar Stockton getting those reps too. And who makes the most of the opportunity they get with those reps? That may determine who this year's number two quarterback is and perhaps in the future, next year's number one. So to wrap things up today, fun golden shoe. And admittedly, most every golden shoe that we share on this show, we share via twitter i guess it's called x now but that's kind of how most people send these in to me but today we got one from a guy named mike Gonier via email and i want to read this to you i want you to see the photo for those of you watching on video he says i was not sure how to submit a picture for consideration for a golden shoe recognition so i'm attaching it in an email i'm a high school teacher and coach and longtime dog fan currently in walhalla south carolina which is right there above Georgia South Carolina border. He's also right in the Clemson heart of Clemson country. He says, "Well, the picture attached is on the board in front of my classroom. I feel obligated to represent while in enemy territory. One thing you may not be able to see in the picture in the top left corner, I have posted 43, 18, and four, which has stayed up year round. That's Georgia's all time record against Clemson, which a lot of his students, I'm sure, uh, probably don't like to see. But nonetheless, he's spreading the good word up there." Also, thanks for all you do and the others that promote the dogs. Uh, That's an incredibly nice thing, Mike. I appreciate that. And you see an unbelievable picture there. Wouldn't you love to have a high school teacher who had that being shown off every day? You love to see that. National championship flags, everything else. No doubt, very deserving of a golden shoe. Really appreciate that. Well earned indeed. How about lousy stinking gators in Jacksonville? 68 days from right now. Georgia back beating up on Florida again. That is our Gator Hater Countdown. We will see all of you back here tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia.